Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at pastorwood.org. And now, here's your host, Jim Wood. Hi, this is Pastor Jim Wood of Abiding in Christ. Living in the mountains of East Tennessee, I'm surrounded by phenomenal beauty in every season of the year. My wife and I live on a mountainside that adjoins the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, the most popular, most visited of all the national parks in the USA. Our neighbors include bears and bobcats, foxes and raccoons, even possums and skunks. Just down the hill from our house, is the beautiful campus of Wares Valley Ranch, a miraculous place where God is busy changing lives from the inside out. On this program, you'll hear interviews, monologues, but mostly you'll hear the expository preaching that I do here at the ranch. Because I'm often speaking to a room full of children, you may occasionally hear background noises or illustrations and vocabulary chosen for a child's frame of reference. But the one thing I pray you will hear every time, is God's Word, the eternal, inerrant Word which points us to Jesus. I'm delighted to partner with this station in bringing these messages to you, and I'd like to get to know you better as you get to know us. Please visit us on the web at pastorwood.org. That's pastorwood.org. Click on the link that says Contact Us. And let us hear from you. We'd love to know the station where you listen. And feel free to share any prayer requests as well. We actually do pray for the specific requests that folks send us. And we love hearing how God answers those prayers. Again, the website is pastorwood.org. Folks, the title of today's message is, When It's Hard to Pray, Pray Hard. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. So which area of prayer is most challenging for you? Is it giving thanks? The Bible states that it's God's will that we give thanks in all circumstances. God commands our thanks. Surely God wouldn't want hypocrisy from those whose circumstances don't warrant thanksgiving. Well, no, God doesn't want hypocrisy, but I don't think anyone would want to trade circumstances with the one who penned the words, giveth thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Paul suffered in ways that most of us will never imagine. Listen to what he says. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, 
in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. If Paul can say, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, we can give thanks in all our circumstances too. You may be a thankful person, but find it difficult to be honest with God when it comes to confession. All of us know we have room for improvement, but some folks remain hung up on the idea that they must earn God's love. When we believe we must earn God's love, it's hard to be honest about what's really happening in our lives. Instead of confessing our sin, we seek to justify our sin. We offer excuses. Again, God doesn't forgive excuses. God forgives sins. Making excuses only keeps us trapped in sin and guilt. Some people are masters of denial when confession is what is needed. A common example of denial by many Christians is the phrase, I'm not angry, I'm just hurt. This is because these people feel it's wrong to be angry, but not wrong to feel hurt. Anger is not always sinful. Lying is always sinful. God knows when we're really angry. We can't fool God. We should stop trying to fool ourselves. We need to honestly confess our feelings and seek resolution. Even though God already knows the details of our lives, it's important for us to be specific in our confession of sin rather than using the typical generic confessions that allow us to avoid real repentance. It's far too easy at the end of the day to offer a blanket confession and forgive us for our many sins. This may sound humble, but it's generally a cop-out. I hear people say, we all sin hundreds of times a day. Really? I know there are sins of omission as well as commission. And I know that we can entertain sinful thoughts and cherish sinful attitudes and desires as well as sinning with words. But I suspect such confessions reflect less horror at our own sinful condition than a complacency that presumes upon the grace of God. And when we speak of ourselves as though we want God to see us in the larger context of other sinners, we sound as if we're hoping that God will grade on the curve and overlook some of our sin because, after all, it's not nearly as bad as the sin of others. We need to compare ourselves to Jesus if we want to see the whole truth about ourselves. God is not grading on the curve. Jesus is the standard, and Jesus is our only hope. When was the last time you lingered on your knees in prayer and asked God to show you those areas in which you have personally grieved him? Prayer starts with a personal relationship with God. When we join with the psalmist in asking God's Spirit, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. He answers our prayer. He shows us those particular problem areas where we need not only to ask his forgiveness, we may need to ask the forgiveness of others as well. The purpose of our confession is not to get God back on our side. God is for us. But we need to get honest about what is happening in our lives so that we can receive God's grace by faith. Recognizing the reality of our failures and knowing that we are forgiven will result in a deeper gratitude toward God and greater patience with others. 
As we get to know God better, we adore him more and more. As we start our walk with God, we must focus our attention on the person of Jesus Christ as revealed in the pages of Scripture. The Bible says the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. It may be helpful to focus on the meaning of the various names of God found in Scripture. In learning to adore God, I have used the simple technique of going through the alphabet as I list his character and attributes in praise. God is almighty, benevolent, compassionate, our deliverer, eternal. He's faithful, gracious, holy, interested. Don't worry if you have trouble coming up with a word that starts with X or Z. The goal is worship, not solving a crossword puzzle. Take the pattern or formula that works for you and use it periodically to check your spiritual pulse. Don't let the formula become a substitute for intimate fellowship with God. If you're following a specific pattern of prayer, remember that prayer should not become drudgery. Prayer acronyms, formulas, and tools are intended to help us grow deeper in our relationship with our Heavenly Father. For the sake of your spiritual health, you should know how to check your pulse. But it's important to know how to pray and to pray in accordance with God's will. The goal of prayer is not to get God to do our will, but for us to get in line with God's will. The purpose of prayer is to draw close to God, not making speeches, but rather having intimate conversation. Prayer is a marvelous opportunity to deepen our relationship with the living God. The God who created all things, the God who rules the universe, the God who will judge the living and the dead. This God loves us and wants us to know him, to love him, to serve him and to draw close to him. Prayer, conversation with God, is absolutely vital and powerful. What should you do if you check your prayer pulse and you can't find signs of life? Cry out to God. He loves you. Ask Him to forgive your sins and to give you a new beginning. Invite Him to be the ruler of your heart and life. Do you want to be healed? Do you want a new life? Are you ready to start right now? Hi, this is Jim Wood. I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. We've recently made a significant step of faith by adding several new stations to our outreach. Now, I need to hear from you. You can visit our website at pastorwood.org, or you can call us at 866-41-ABIDE. Either way, we really want to know that you're listening. So when you contact us, let us know the station where you hear the broadcast. It's simple, it's fast, and it's free. And I will greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much. You are listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. This program is paid for by the generous donations of listeners like you. You can hear Pastor Wood's teachings 24 hours a day, 7 days a week at PastorWood.org. And when you visit PastorWood.org, we would greatly appreciate it if you would tell us a little bit about yourself and, if possible, also make a donation to this ministry. So please visit PastorWood.org today or give us a call at 866-41-ABIDE. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is I want to talk with you for a moment about 
a question that someone asked me years ago. Is it ever wrong to pray? Proverbs 28.9 says, If anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. Well, obviously, it's right to pray. The Bible tells us to pray without ceasing. How can it ever be wrong to pray? Let me suggest five situations or circumstances in which, according to God's word, we are out of line when we pray. The first involves reconciliation. In Matthew 5, 23 and 24, we read, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to your brother. Then, come and offer your gift. It is wrong to pray when God is telling you to go and seek reconciliation with someone else first. When we're not in right relationship with others, we may want to act as if everything's fine. We may honestly be seeking God and wanting to draw close to Him, but God is saying, wait a minute, there's a relationship in your life that is broken. First, you need to go and seek to make that relationship right. God says if you're coming into His presence in order to offer worship or to pray, and He reminds you that you have a relationship with someone else that is out of joint, you need to leave your gift at the altar and go seek reconciliation in that relationship First, you may have a person in your life who's rejected your attempts at reconciliation. This has happened to me. Well, what then? In Romans 12, 18, we read, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. There are two enormously blessed qualifiers in this sentence. First, if it is possible. This clearly implies that sometimes it's not possible. The Apostle Paul, who wrote these words, didn't get along with everybody all the time. Secondly, Paul says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, what if there's a person who's absolutely disagreeable and refuses to be at peace with you? You can't control the behavior of other people, but you must honestly seek to make peace. So if you've come to worship God and are seeking to draw near to Him, and He reminds you, perhaps even right now, of a relationship that's out of joint, you must seek to make it right. Then you can pray unhindered. As a pastor, I've had people request church membership who first needed to go and make things right with other people, sometimes with people at the church they just left. One time, a former pastor at another church came requesting membership. He had been forced to resign his pastorate because of public sin and had left broken relationships behind. Before covenanting with another group of brothers and sisters, he needed to go back and seek to make things right with his former church congregation. Churches should not automatically welcome anyone into the church family. The Bible is clear that covenant relationships should be taken seriously. Church membership should include accountability. If we really love people, we want them to do the will of God. The will of God in their relationships with others, especially their brothers and sisters in Christ, is for them to seek peace and pursue it. It is wrong to pray when we need to seek reconciliation with another person or other people. Prayer is not the place to start. Prayer must wait because God says go and seek reconciliation with your brother first. 
and his word tells us how to do it. The second area is what I call performance prayers. In Matthew 6, verses 5 through 8, we read, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So folks, here's the summary. It is wrong to pray when prayer is for show. Sometimes I'm tempted to be wordy in my prayers, both publicly and privately. I can talk and talk about overcoming being wordy in prayer. But then I find myself doing it again. I feel a need to perform well. Once again, I must learn to take the focus off of me and put it back on God where it belongs. My parents were prayer warriors. Both of them knew how to pray, and they prayed with great effect. I am deeply aware that many of the blessings I have experienced are not so much answers to my prayers as they are an answer to my parents' prayers on my behalf, and I am eternally grateful. But my parents grew up in a much earlier time. They studied and learned the Bible in Elizabethan English. When either of my parents prayed during family devotions, they used Elizabethan English. They did not address God with the familiar you. God was addressed instead with the Old English forms of thee, thou, and thy. Not only did my parents get the titles correct in Old English, they also employed the ancient verb forms, art, hast, knowest. I found this old-fashioned language beautiful coming from my parents. Coming from me, however, it wouldn't be the same. I've studied and learned from modern translations of the Bible, and I don't ever think or speak in Old English terms. Unless I practice speaking Old English, praying in Old English would be humorous and painfully distracting for me and for others who join me in prayer. I've heard too many people trying to use Elizabethan English unsuccessfully. Whether in attempted prayer or attempts at prophecy, mangled English does not enhance the spiritual content of our words. Some people like to speak Elizabethan English to God. If you want to pray in Old English, it's permissible. But God understands modern English, too. What if we had to learn Hebrew in order for God to understand what we're saying? That would be sad. In the past, there were people who thought you had to know Latin in order to really talk with God. But that's not true, either. We don't need to speak Hebrew or Greek in order to talk with God. We don't need to speak Old English or proper English in order to talk with God. Our gracious Father understands our hearts and helps us even when we do not know how to put prayer into words. When I pray, I can rest in the confidence that God is more interested in my heart than in my vocabulary. When the Apostle Paul is straightening out the Corinthians' problems with corporate worship, he beautifully delineates the difference between public prayer which needs to be in a language understood by the congregation, and private prayer, which may be in a language understood only by God. 
Some individuals object to using conversational language in prayer, believing that casual speech fails to show proper respect toward God. Well, certainly there are prayers that fail to honor God. Regardless of the words, our focus in prayer should be on God, not on the language we're using. The Bible makes it abundantly clear that God is not focused on our vocabulary and syntax. He's focused on the attitude of our heart. So when is it wrong to pray? It's wrong to pray when it's for show. Whether the show is for other people or for God, God is not impressed. In fact, he doesn't like it at all. And if God is not impressed, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Did you know that Pastor Wood is a popular speaker for family and marriage retreats, conferences, and pro-life fundraisers? If you are planning an event, a retreat, or conference, and would like to invite Pastor Wood to speak or teach, please visit pastorwood.org and fill out our speaker request form. At this site, you will also find over a dozen books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife, Susan. Again, please visit pastorwood.org today. That's pastorwood.org. Hi, this is Jim Wood. I'm very grateful for the privilege of teaching God's Word now for over 40 years. I've seen firsthand the power of the gospel changing lives for eternity. My wife and I have been blessed with seven children, four of them adopted. As parents and in our travels to other countries, we've seen again and again that the human heart is the same everywhere and everywhere we go. Jesus is the only one who can save. I hope that these broadcasts are an encouragement to you, and I want to ask you to take a moment to encourage us. First, please visit our website, pastorwood.org, to learn more about our work. Second, please pray for us that we'll remain faithful and that God will continue to use us to spread His Word around the world. And finally, if the Lord prompts you to do so, please support us financially. We're depending on our listeners to stand with us, and we're praying for God to bless you. Your love is amazing, steady and unchanging. Your love is a mountain firm beneath my feet. The third category is self-righteous prayers. In Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, we read, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. When we are self-righteous, our prayers stink. When we come to God in our own righteousness thinking that somehow God should be impressed with us, God despises our prayers. The Bible tells us that our righteousness is as filthy rags in God's sight. This means that the very best that I can work for in myself falls far short of God's standard. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, 
God loves for people to come saying, God, have mercy on me. I don't deserve anything except hell. But I'm coming to you in Jesus' name because Jesus is my only hope. Do we really mean it when we sing Amazing Grace? How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me? Some of us are really thinking, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a pretty good person, an upright citizen like me. Do we spend a great deal of our time comparing ourselves to others and giving thanks that we're not like them? Let me ask you, who do you look down on? Alcoholics? Prostitutes? Homosexuals? Members of other denominations? God's not impressed with our goodness. If I get what I deserve, I'll get hell. If you get what you deserve, you'll get hell too. Theoretically, we know this is correct, but we really don't want to see ourselves on the same level as those other people. There is absolutely no room for boasting except in the cross of Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. He is our righteousness. He is our peace. He is Lord. We have no other hope. If our prayers are not grounded in an awareness of the holiness of God, our own sinfulness, and our need for God's grace, then our prayers are all wrong. If we're trying to manipulate God and get him to do our thing, he's not going to hear our prayers and answer the way we want. God offers us mercy and is not manipulated by our self-righteousness. When I was a boy, my pastor told a story about a woman who went to see her portrait proofs at the photographer's studio. She studied them closely with a furled brow and finally said to the photographer, I don't think these pictures do me justice. The photographer responded, Lady, you don't need justice. You need mercy. While the photographer was not diplomatic, truer words were never spoken. We all need mercy. When we're self-righteous, our prayers are offensive to God. Well, folks, those are some of the circumstances in which it is wrong to pray. I know that may be jarring to your sensibilities, but the fact is it's true. There are some circumstances where prayer is out of place. But what needs to happen is not for us to give up prayer, but for us to repent of our self-righteousness, for us to seek reconciliation with others, and for us to stop trying to impress God with our performance. God's not impressed, but God is merciful. And in Jesus Christ, we are offered one who intercedes for us. You see, if you're not sure exactly how to pray, you can know as God's child two wonderful, wonderful allies. One, the Holy Spirit, who intercedes and helps us with groanings too deep for words. And our high priest, who ever lives to make intercession for us. The second person of the Trinity and the third person of the Trinity aid us as we petition our Heavenly Father. Does that mean that our Father is somehow against us? No. He is the one who sent His Son and gave the Holy Spirit to be our comforter. 
so that we come before God's throne with confidence and we cry out to him with the spirit of adoption. Abba, Father, don't ever try and posture in order to impress God. But don't ever let your failings keep you from drawing close. Repent and draw near. Put your trust in him. He cares for you. Don't be afraid. Trust in him. Receive his love and his bountiful grace. God bless you. Be sure and tune in tomorrow. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments you want to make, I want to invite all of you to contact us at 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at pastorwood.org. That's pastorwood.org.